Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we raise a glass virtually to one of the investing greats, Charlie Munger. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you too. This week, a bit of a sad show because we are giving, and I'm sure every other financial podcast you listen to has done this as well. So our apologies if we were like the 10th show that you're listening to about this, but it felt like we wanted to talk about Charlie Munger who passed recently and just an incredible investing legend. And so this is our Cheers to Charlie episode. And we just wanted to cover a little bit of his life and and his impact and and just the honestly how we feel his impact every day as investors and what he's taught us. So cheers to Charlie. Dan, what are your out of the gate when you think Charlie Munker? What what's the first thing that comes to mind? All right. So I, I was thinking about this and this is gonna meander until I get to my point. But when I was in college, every time I spoke to my dad, he ended with one sentence. Uh, right before we hung up the phone. And that was, don't do anything stupid. And when I think of Charlie Munger, I think that encapsulates his philosophy pretty well. Like Rule number one for him is don't do anything stupid. Just avoid making the big mistake. And that's the foundation that he builds upon from there. So when I think of Charlie Munger, that's what I think about, at least as a starting point. And I think if you're going to venture into the world of investing or really anything in life, that, that's good advice. Yeah, it's so much of what they talk about him and Warren Buffett is avoiding the big mistake. It's not about having to be smarter than everybody or more clever or the first onto a trend. I mean, they are decidedly like anti-trend, right? I mean, they they have ruthlessly mocked Bitcoin and NFTs and some some of the other things that we've talked about plenty on our show. And this is not... Uh, us taking a shot at that again today, but that's really where they came from is like, Hey, we don't care about being first. We don't care about being cutting edge. We don't care. I mean, I remember we were still at the fool when this happened, but when Berkshire bought Amazon for the first time and David Gardner was kind of like, I like my cost basis better than theirs. Like, but they are willing to be very, very late. And that has not been keeping them from any level of success beyond the wildest imagination. So yeah, I, I agree. Don't do something stupid is very much baked into what both Charlie and Warren do. Yeah. And, and I think to, to build on top of that, one of the things that Charlie has said is to avoid things with marginal upside and devastating downside. So a framework with which he approached problems is how could this not work? Like, let's start with the end and the end being bad and work our way backwards to build a roadmap of what not to do. And I forget which school or institution it was, but I believe he gave a commencement address to a bunch of students basically saying, 
here's how to ruin your careers. Like, let's talk about how to go about doing that. And then if you reverse engineer that, you find out the things that you should avoid. That's so funny. So thinking about the marginal upside for incredibly high downside, when you said that, that reminds me, there was a bet that somebody made. I don't know if it was FanDuel or, or what betting site, but huge football game. And it, there was like a massive lead going into the fourth quarter. And somebody lays down something like a million dollar bet to win basically like five to 10 grand, right? Like the team was up by like 20. And so the odds had shifted so far that the payout was just atrocious. And so I'm sure the person that made this bet thought, I'm going to go clip a free 10 grand and have myself a nice dinner or something, right? Like they just thought that was basically free money that just because I have this much capital that I'm going to get basically a risk-free return. And there was just a massive comeback win. They lose a million dollar bet that had, I mean, look, 10 grand or whatever the number was is still a good amount of money for most people. Even even millionaires look forward to a $10,000 income. But man, that's dumb. Like just incredibly stupid, and and you lost so much as a result of being thinking you were just being a little bit clever for marginal yeah, upside. That that's a great example because it's binary too. It's not like you get something in the middle. It's you win whatever ten thousand dollars or lose a million dollars. That is not a trade off I'm willing to accept ever. Really. So in prep for this show, I was actually just listening to a speech that Charlie gave. And I think this is at Harvard. And first of all, he's 70 years old giving this speech, right? Like I, I'm thinking, Oh, it's a Charlie Munger speech. Like he'll probably sound a little bit younger, but you know, this is almost 30 years ago. He, I mean, he passed just shy of his hundredth birthday. So even as a 70 year old, I was like, Oh man, this, this is actually <laughs> a long time ago that he was giving this talk, but it was, it was just as relevant today. And one of the, the, the notes that he hit a bunch was you can normally trace problems back to incentives. And I think about that so much. We see that in our business. I think that has been the push to being fee only, which is remove as much of the conflicts of interest as possible. That is what our firm is. We're considered a fee only investment advisory firm. That means we don't take any commissions. We don't sell annuities, right? All, all of these things you're seeing that in the finance industry as as incentives have been put into question. And I think that's the right way to go. But he gave an example of Xerox and they had come out with some new machine that was just light years ahead of the old one and it wasn't selling. And they were like, what is happening? And it turned out that the commission the guys got for selling the old one was way higher. And so nobody was selling the new great version and once they fixed the incentive structure, everything cleared itself up. Who knew? Yeah. I mean, th that should come as no surprise, but it's important to ask the questions. What are the incentives? Almost in any conversation you're ever having, that applies to. Yeah. I, I mean, you should spend most of your day thinking, why is that what they want? Right. And, and you know, th people getting something out of it and there being an incentive, that is not necessarily inherently evil. We all get up and go to work every day or whatever we do for work because they're paying us, right? There, there's incentives. And the only reason for them to do that is that there's money flowing in 
from the job or it's supporting some revenue capacity, right? So all of that has to be happening. But if you don't know why they're doing it, if you can't tell why it works, if you don't know where the gotcha is for for kind of each gimme that you're getting, you're in trouble. So I, I just think of it as being so incredibly important to evaluate and understand people's incentives. That helps me frame why are they doing this? What are they doing it for? All of that. And, and I think about that quite a bit. Right. And, and like you said, there are going to be incentives. That's okay. I used to work with a guy who comes off as very salesy. Like when you talk with him, you're like, that's, that's a sales guy. And to disarm that situation, he used to say, listen, I'll let you know when I'm about to try to sell you something. Like I'll give you a warning when there's something I'm about to bring up that I'm going to try to sell you. So let's not worry about that for now. I'll, I'll be very transparent about that. And I thought that was really funny. That's funny. And, That's it's disarming. It was, exactly. It was very disarming. I bet it worked all the time. He was very good for a reason. Yeah. No kidding. So, I mean, just listening to Charlie, since I was listening to this speech, he almost speaks in like one liners, right? I, so funny. It's such a funny guy. He's incredibly funny and talks in a way where you're like, yeah, it's, it's almost like TikTok before there was TikTok, right? For like sure. if you can get your point down to something bite-sized and funny, people are going to remember it. And, and I don't know that, you know, his success was because he's, so memorable, but man, does it make him fun to listen to. And there have been so many lists of just great Charlie Munger quotes that have come out. I'm sure we'll go through a few of those before we wrap up here today. But he was talking about behavioral economics. And he goes, we're considering this like a new field of study. He goes, if economics isn't studying behavior, what the hell is it? And I thought that was such a great line because we think of behavioral economics now as kind of this great field and Richard Thaler and all these guys. But yeah, the entire study of economics is behavior. It, it, none of it is, is just math. It's trying to figure out why people do anything. And I loved that, that take on it. Yeah. I, I think his quippiness might be indicative of something else too, because he thinks very big picture. Like for a guy who's been such a successful investor, you'd think that they'd be very nitty gritty into the numbers and he'd have formulas he's looking for. And he'd be the first to tell you that's not true. I think I heard something where he's like, if you're looking for a formula, go back to school because I don't have those. You know, he he really went by the gut and knew what he was looking for when he saw it. He's like the master of the 30 minute evaluation, basically. And I think the fact that he can speak in such like impactful short sentences is just an example of just the way his mind operates too. Like there's not a specific secret thing. It's just his understanding of the world is distilled into very short things that he knows how to look for. And when you hear him talk, you can see why. I mean, because you shared that, I'm going to go with the first quote that I want to share, which is people calculate too much and think too little, right? How many people are doing math or looking for formulas? I, I also love listening to Charlie talk about EBITDA. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is a family show. You may have kids in the car, so I, I won't say exactly what he said. But he basically said, anytime you hear somebody start talking about EBITDA, which is the acronym for earnings before interest, taxes, and depreciation, you should just substitute BS instead. And that, that's that's how you should think of that metric in your investing. Right. BS earnings. So great. Yeah. I, I heard, um, I don't remember what show it was, but one of the morning finance shows and they had to bleep him. Like he said that he said BS 
It's just so funny just seeing like, you know, Charlie, who's an old 90 something and they have to censor him on live TV. It's brilliant. But I mean, that's like the isn't that a Tony Robbins thing, too, that like if you talk like actual people do, people are going to relate to you a little bit better. Right. Like outside, you know, and in, in adult conversation, it wouldn't be crazy to hear somebody say that. But you don't think of these polished investing guys running around calling accounting BS. And I don't know, it just made him so much more real and grounded and just, just so much <laughs> more human versus the super billionaire that he actually is. Right. Right. I, right. I mean, just, just an incredibly wealthy guy. I mean, he also, he also referred to trading cryptocurrency as like trading turds. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and like, I, I forget the context here. I, all of these are just little snippets that have stuck in my head forever. But oh he, they were gosh. talking about like, well, some of those might be good. And he's like, well, if you mix raisins and turds, there's still turds in there. Like, no, that's what you want. <laughs> Such a brilliant Oh, dude. goodness. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he, he'll be missed for sure. I mean, and his dynamic with with Warren Buffett, like the two of them together, so critical. And I think it's a good lesson for everyone. When people ask me about starting a business, I think the number one thing you could do is find someone to start it with, or at least find a partner who you can spar with intellectually as you're going through decision making like them together, I think is the key of the success of Berkshire over the years, because any one of them in isolation might have missed a lot of opportunities because you can only see things the way that you see it, but having each other gives them an opportunity to talk through it and potentially change your mind about something. Yeah. Can you imagine if you and I are still doing this together in our nineties, how, how incredibly like wild of a story, but also how fortunate we would be if, if we had a career where you and I could tolerate each other and, and work together successfully for that long. I, th- I think we could make it Dan, that, that could be possible for us. Check your balances episodes and like, 2050 2060 2070 oh my gosh yeah i mean 99 what a run when you think about what the world looked like when he was born yeah yeah i mean when when he was born you know we were just coming out of world war one really pre-depression i mean yeah if you went within a time machine back to when he was born and told him oh you know just born after World War One, he'd say, "World War what now?" <laughs> yeah, there's another one coming. Yeah, yeah no, no kidding. I mean, yeah, pre depression, and then ultimately when when he came of age, right? I mean, uh, granted, America's innovations through that time period are just astounding. The world's innovations are astounding, but particularly as a period of American history, he oversaw an incredible transformation. I mean, just just really wild, and. It's cool to see someone like him evolve over the times too. It's not like you looked at him weeks ago and said, there's a guy who's not connected with reality. Like I think he adapted and stayed up to date with everything while keeping the integrity of his philosophy. Yeah, no, it, it was great. So let's go through a couple other good quotes and just how they might fit into our lives today. I love this one. Someone will always be getting richer faster than you. This is not a tragedy how differently would you invest if you weren't worried about keeping up or comparing yourself? Right. So much. And and even, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't compare investment advisors and relay our our results against an index or a benchmark or, or whatever, but how much of it is just 
I want to get there faster. I wish I could accelerate this. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, this has become more prevalent lately coming out of 2019, 2020. I heard a lot of people pointing to, first of all, crypto investors, funds like Kathy Woods Fund. And they're saying, look at these kids just making tons of money. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, if this person, you know, 15 year old has 10x their money this year, like, I'm clearly missing out. I should be doing something different. And it prompted people to go take on risks that they otherwise were uncomfortable with. And then the other shoe dropped. And if you weren't in a position to be taking those risks, it was very uncomfortable for you. So, you know, it's okay that other people make more money than you. That's, doesn't impact you. You just need to put on the little blinders and not worry about it because you're running your own little household. Like because someone else is doing good doesn't mean it's you doing bad. Yeah. We we all hate it though. I mean that that comparison, every every article of how do I compare against other people in their 30s or 40s or 50s, like yeah. Everybody loves those articles, right? We all want to know not just am I okay, but am I better than average? Am I doing more? Am I being more successful than the people around me? I, I think we're all driven so much by that. And they were just incredible teachers to, to at least create a counterbalance. And, you know, it, I, I also think, you know, the, the lesson of that they were still working basically is so yeah. fascinating, right? And, and I think that's what makes their wealth creation so different than many others, you see many people try and create wealth so that they have freedom, so that they have time. Those guys did the work and Warren continues to do the work because that's just what he wants to do. He doesn't need the money. He's not trying to buy himself some freedom that he doesn't currently have. I mean, it was just love of the game. And they, they were, I think, the best examples we have about that in, in terms of both setting a, a great example with what is enough and choosing not to live this incredibly lavish lifestyle despite the resources. But then also that that love of work and continuing to allow compounding to occur is just the craziest phenomenon, right? And it's in those later years that their wealth really exploded because of that compounding effect. Right. Time is such a powerful thing. And they were, they were blessed with time together, time in their industry, time on earth. I mean, we should all, all be so lucky if we choose to. You have any other great quotes that you love? I've got a few more here that, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is in line with everything we've been saying. Um, I, investing is where you find a few great companies and then sit on your ass. That was a really fun one. And any other really good Charlie quotes that that you want to share as part of this? A lot of funny ones. I mean, flipping turds was great. But um, one thing that I found meaningful was he says, any year that you don't destroy one of your best loved ideas is probably a wasted year. I love that. Ooh. I mean, it speaks to being a lifelong learner, right? You might hold like a very deep rooted belief and you should still be willing to change that belief if presented with different information. And I, I think to do that, you need to go explore the world. You need to read, you need to research, you need to talk to people. Um, so that's all that I get from that line is be open to new things and continue to seek out information. I love that. Yeah. I mean, we're in such a polarized world that, that everybody seems to kind of be in an echo chamber a little bit, especially news wise, that just continuing to gather information, sometimes intentionally that you think you're going to disagree with just to understand their points. 
sometimes just from a exploratory and curiosity standpoint, but that natural curiosity that he had and, and wanting to be a lifelong learner, I, I think he, I, I can't remember the quote and I don't have it in front of me, but he had said something that I don't know a single wise person that isn't a regular reader, right? That, yeah. that is not reading constantly and, and ingesting new information. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, we really just wanted this to feel like a, uh, having a drink at a bar and, and, and getting to, to toast to Charlie. I, I hope that's what this week's episode feels like. We had something else planned and scheduled for you, but obviously with this being both, both topical and in the news, but we wanted to take the moment to appreciate him and what he's done for, for our community, for what we know, how we study investing and to a, a life well lived. Yeah, we appreciate all you joining us. We'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. In the meantime, you know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Check Your Balances. You could shoot us a note at checkyourbalancesoutlook.com. Let us know your takeaways from Charlie Munger's life. If you have any questions you'd like to address on the show, we still have wine keys. I've been mailing them out expediently. So hopefully some of you have them in hand and have been putting them to use. You're so much better at it than I was. I, I I had to just set the lowest expectations possible. You might get a coffee mug eventually. You, you've <laughs> you've been really good about it, and I I was confident that you would be. So I I appreciate you taking that role, and I'm sure our listeners do too. That have gotten our cool swag. Yeah, it's my my OCD not to have like a pending task sitting for too long. So I think that's an everybody win situation. Yeah, no that that was a that was a good shift that we made in our process. Uh, Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. We will catch you next week on another episode.